When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For everything, for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. Welcome into the Blue Horseshoe podcast. Ryan Hickey, George Bremer here with you. A loaded show today. We are heading into the third and final preseason game. Colts and Bucks will play on Saturday. Colts uh, starters will play for about a half. We'll give you a few storylines we're watching. A date, unfortunately, that lives in infamy for every Colts fan has just passed. George and I will give both our reactions to just what was a surreal night on August 24th, 2019, when Angel playing career officially came to an end. They have some special teams concerns as well. A big injury bug does bite the Colts there, one of their best units from last season, one of their best overall players. And the team, unfortunately, does go down. But George... Training camp now is officially in the books. The last practice out at Westfield did conclude on Thursday. How sad are you that now no more? The great picnic table setup you got outside of Grand Park, that you're abandoning it. This is it. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you, we came in and our name tags were gone and it was a little a little bit concerning. It was like, hey, just get out of here, guys. But no, I mean, it was funny. Frank Reich was talking about it, you know, after practice. He said, uh, you're so excited to get there the first day because, you know, it's starting over and, you, and you're getting going with this new team. And you're so excited on the last day because now, you know, real football is right around the corner. And I think that's kind of how it feels. Uh, my 13th training camp here wrapped up. And uh, I think the best thing about this one is it was fairly uneventful. The last couple of days got a little hairy, uh, but, you know, certainly compared to last year, it was it was kind of dull. No sudden retirements, no figuring out and learning new bones in the foot and what these brand new surgeries mean and how long a quarterback and a left uh, guard could be out for. No, no medical degree needed, thankfully, for the most part, at your 13th training camp covering the Colts. You just mentioned it did get a little hair in this week. For the most part, the Colts have been pretty lucky with the injury bug and have escaped major injury. Not the case so far this week. Earlier this week, Rigoberto Sanchez, their tremendous punter, underrated punter, really, Unfortunately, did tear his Achilles out for the season. Colts did sign Matt Hawk, former Bills and Dolphins punter. So he's now going to be taking over the special teams and duties, kicking and punting duties uh, for the Colts this year. Before we get into that signing and the loss of Rigo, I do at least get on Chris Ballard here for a little bit, George. I thought there was a big opportunity missed by the Colts GM. One of the kickers they tried out, punters they tried out, Cameron Dicker, former Texas kicker. You could assign Cameron Dicker. You could have asked Matt Pryor, change your jersey number, and you could have had Cameron Dicker, number 69, kick in for the Colts. I mean, this is a fan base that we know has an affinity for their punters. Pat McAfee was a, a rock star. You bring in Dicker the kicker, number 69. I know maybe Chris Bowden's not thinking about merchandising and getting the fans going. That would have been, you talk about a fan favorite. I think more jerseys would have been sold than, than Matt Ryan's number two. Oh, there's no doubt. I think that's that's a given. That might have been a record-breaking number of, of those jerseys <laughs> sold. Uh, the Colts already, the fan base probably has more jerseys per capita than, than any other team around. So 
uh, I think that would have been huge. I mean, it would have made money for the entire NFL. Probably Roger Goodell might be on the phone here soon with, with Chris Ballard saying, hey, wait a minute. Do you realize what you <laughs> passed sure? up here? You know, you, you never know. But the other thing about Dicker, one of the guys at the star, Nate Atkins, is actually a big fan of him. He's been pushing him since the draft, honestly. Uh, but he's also a place kicker. So, you know, you had a chance to, to – the more you can do, the less you get paid. Isn't that what Matt Pryor said earlier this offseason? So, you know, that a lot of opportunities true. missed there. Huge, huge walk-off field goal in the Red River rivalry for Texas over Oklahoma a few years ago. That would, you know, if Hot Rod gets hurt, there you go. You put him right in. And imagine a few weeks, Colts, Broncos, Thursday night football. You have Al Michaels and you have uh, Cameron Dicker drill a, you know, a 65-yard punt inside the 10-yard line. He pins him. Dicker, the kicker. It would have been, it would have been perfect. Big, big, huge. big opportunity missed there, George. Plus, you got to assume Cameron Dicker's a big Sam Ellinger fan too. So True. you got that going as well. Bring the bring the Texas connection north. That is for sure. But obviously, though, a big loss for the Colts and Rigoberto Sanchez. Again, one of the most underrated uh, punters in the league. Whether it's his directional kicking, whether it's pinning teams deep in the um, deep in you know in their own territory inside the twenty. And we talk about this Colts team again. We think right, we both think they're a good team, a pretty good team, a team that should win the division. But in an AFC that is loaded with a, a tons of very good to elite teams, if the Colts are trying to compete and knock off any of the AFC West teams that they're going to play this year, one of the ways they're going to win is within the margins. And within the margins is special teams. This is one of the best special teams unit in all units overall in all of football. We saw that last year, you know, frankly, win them a few games. It is a, a big loss. I know you can kind of laugh. It's how it's a punter who, you know, that's an injury. If you're going to say you need an injury, that's when you would take. This is a big loss for the Colts. No, it's a huge loss. I mean, Bubba Ventrone said the other day, uh, he felt like his son got hurt. I mean, that's how important it is to him. Uh, Rigberto Sanchez, his directional punting, his ability to to pin people deep, uh, you know, and to limit returns is elite. He's as good as anybody in the NFL. That part of the game is is going to take a drop. There's no question about it. I don't think there was anyone they could bring in who was going to be able to match Rigberto in that sense. And so, you know, it's going to put more pressure on the return guys because now you don't have the punter kind of doing half that job for you. Uh, it's going to, and, and there's, you know, there's questions there a little bit too, because they've got some young guys that they like. I know Trevor Denbo, who was actually punting the other day when Sanchez was out before Hawk arrived. Uh, he's, I think he leads for whatever it's worth. He leads the, the NFL right now in special team tackles. It's two games. Not everybody's playing. So, but I think when you're an undrafted guy, it's something that, that catches your eye. Uh, but they lost Matt Adams. And they lost George Odom. And if you're a Colts fan, you know what they meant to the special teams. I mean, all those things you were just talking about, the way these special teams have, have kind of, you know, taken care of things between the margins, won games for this team here and there, they lost some of the key pieces of that. And I think you've got to replace it. There's guys like JoJo Doman, who maybe makes the roster, Trevor, Trevor Denbo, uh, who they feel good about. They they brought in Brandon King from New England, who I think they think will be a special teams guy. They brought in Armani Watts from Kansas City, who they think will be a special teams guy, but it's still new bodies. You know, Ventrone said, in addition to how much it hurts to lose Sanchez, which is, you can't really overstate that. It is a huge loss. I know it's the punter, but he does so much for this team. And then he's probably done as much coaching this year as he has since his first season because there are just so many young guys that or new guys in general that they're trying to work into these special teams units. Before, I want to circle back to the special teams concerns because, right, it goes far beyond just losing uh, Rigo for sure. I'm just going to throw it out there. Love to get your thoughts. Sanchez tours Achilles running wind sprints after practice. 
Is it necessary for a punter to be running wind sprints after practice? I tell you, it's a very good question. I mean, I know <laughs> a lot of people are going back and finding the Adam Vinatieri clip, one of my favorite clips in NFL history when he's with New England and he chases down Herschel Walker from behind. I mean, how many kickers are going to do that? Uh, but realistically, you know, the special teams guys need to be out there, the kickers and the punters and, and the long snapper. Uh, maybe the long snapper. He's got some running to do. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, when – when during a game is, is Rigoberto Sanchez going to sprint? I guess, you know, they do, they do want him to play defense. Um, it's, it's also generally a low risk kind of activity. That's the other side of it. You're not doing that with the, with the thought someone's going down. It's really just such a freak injury. And it's, I think that's part of, of what makes this so hard. Not only are you losing one of the more consistent players on this team and somebody who's really a, a key aspect of what they want to do, but you're losing them on this completely insane way. I mean, uh, it's the one thing that happened this year that was kind of reminiscent of last year. It's not, at least it's an injury we're familiar with, but you know, losing your punter on wind sprints is definitely the most Colts thing that happened this training camp. I'm with you. Like I know there were, I saw on Twitter and again, Twitter, it's his own place. So maybe, you know, I really shouldn't just pay attention to it all, but there were questions and there was criticism. Why the hell is a punter running wind sprints? I'm with you. Look, we all have sprinted in our lives. For the most part, 99.9% .9 of us have come away unscathed. You, you don't really hear about players running sprints in part because they do it and no one gets hurt. It's just at the end of practice, it's fine. You're right. It's just one of those unfortunate freak injuries where almost like a one in a million kind of shot, it, it happens. Um, it's just when you hear it, it's, it's like if you're going to get an injury, it's almost you just prefer have it in joint practice, have it happen in a preseason game, like just – Something where it's like, okay, at least, you know, he's doing something that's associated with his job, whether in punting or kickoff, not just running sprints after practice. But I, I'm with it. There's really no reason for criticism. He's part of the team. Like I said, also, I think it sends a bad message. If I know they're specialists and you can say what you want about them, you know, not true football players otherwise, but it does send a bad message, uh, bad message rest of the team if, you know, you have the kicker, the punter, a few other guys, kind of, you know, the back of quarterback, lackadaisical, you know, around not participating in wind sprints. I think it does help it in a small, maybe corny way, kind of help build some camaraderie within the team when everyone is kind of suffering at the same time. Yeah, you know, that's what it's really about. I mean, they're, they're, they're running those sprints. You're doing it as a team bonding as right. much as anything. Hey, you're all out here. It's the end of practice. You're all suffering through this. Uh, I know early on, I don't think he did it that day, but early on, Nate Ollie, the defensive line coach, was running with the defensive line. He certainly doesn't have to run wind sprints, but it's it's part of what you were just talking about. It's that idea of, hey, I'm not going to ask you to do anything I wouldn't do. Uh, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, because of the injury, yeah, there's going to be questions. But I think what's funny about it, well, not funny about it, frustrating about it, you hear about this all the time in baseball. You know what I mean? Somebody like slipped in the shower and they're, and they're yep. on a DL. It feels like one of those things. It's just, it was a completely freak situation. And the real unfortunate thing is it's, I don't know where you would rank Rigoberto Sanchez on the roster, but he's one of the better punters in the league. And it's, it's an important player that you lost. It's going to hurt. There's no question about it. Absolutely. Now to circle back to what you said before, it's like you look at this Colts team and again, last year they needed their defense and their special teams. A lot of the times to, I don't say bail them out, but especially towards the end of the game, close games out when you kind of saw Frank Reich get real conservative and real nervous with Carson Wentz, really not trying to have him lose the game. One of the ways the Colts would be able to flip momentum or even get out to early leads, especially go back to that big Patriots game on Saturday night, 
was special teams and it was, you know, blocked punts and it was, you know, pinning opponents deep in, in you know, in their territory. And we talked about on the last pod on Wednesday, the concern about the Colts rush defense. And one of the ways you help out the Colts rush defense this year is by having opponents start at their own 10 yard line. You know, especially if you're Lucas Oil, the, the fans right there on top of you screaming, making life hard. It is, again, a small part, especially in training camp, because we really don't pay attention to special teams at all. But it is magnified come the season because that's, like you said, you can win or lose games based on, you know, a 45-yard punt that's executed perfectly inside the 10 or a 37-yard punt that's right at the guy. And if he's a dangerous turner, next thing you know, he runs, you know, 30, 40 yards. And all of a sudden, the entire, you know, drive is flipped from what it could have been. It is a major loss. And like you said, Bubba Vinjona is a tremendous, tremendous special teams coordinator, George. I'd be lying, though, if I said I wasn't concerned. You mentioned some of the key losses they have with Matthew Adams and George Odom. Now you lose Rigoberto Sanchez. You could argue the three most important players and impactful players from last year's team. And I also question, too, with Shaquille Leonard's injury and his status for at least week one uncertain, let alone you know the next few games, you got to look at also guys like Zaire Franklin, EJ Speed, even Isaiah Rogers batting for that number two outside corner position. If those guys are starting and or playing significant reps, I do question and wonder, is that going to cut down on there, whether it's kick return for Rodgers or whether it's, you know, you know, special teams uh, usage for speed and for Franklin. That's again, that could be on top of the losses you already suffered, two or three other guys that are either limited and or completely off special teams that were huge additions last year. That's, I don't know about you, I am concerned heading to the season about where this unit is right now. Yeah, you throw Ashton Doolin into that mix as well. I mean, he's going to have a bigger role as a wide receiver. So at some point, you know, there's a balance there. At some point, if that becomes too much of a big role on offense, they're going to lose him on special teams as well. And I think he was their leading special team tackler last year. So there's another guy, you know, you could say maybe they're top four guys who are at least in question uh, whether they're going to be able to, to be on special teams early in the year. And you hope it's something that, that you can kind of learn on the fly in Houston and, and those guys get, get their feet wet and, you know, maybe they're better going forward because of it. But it's absolutely a concern. And I think it's one of these kind of silent concerns. It's something people don't really think about, uh, but it's going to – it's the same way as with the kicker and the punter themselves. You don't think about them at all until they miss a big kick or they shank a punk. It's the same way with the coverage teams. You know, you just kind of take it for granted – until the other team breaks a big return, it doesn't even have to be for a touchdown. Like you said, there's a big difference between starting your own 10 line, 10 yard line and starting at the 35 and the punt coverage and the punter have obviously a lot to do with, with making that difference. And a huge key also with the, with the Sanchez losses, not only punch, but obviously kickoffs as well. He handled both. And now with him out and we've seen, again, it's preseason. We're not overreacting, but we are allowed to not acknowledge so far what we've seen so far the first two preseason games. The Colts' kickoff coverage team is, is frankly stunk. It has not been good. They've been gashed. They've been getting up huge returns. So then it goes back to if you're not now putting this ball in the end zone and preventing teams from just taking it out, all of a sudden now, you, you know, we are seeing teams and then we are seeing this kickoff coverage team be super leaky. And instead of starting at the 25, now it's like the 35, 40, 45 yard line. You're asking your defense, especially again, We've harped on it a lot, but with this schedule, you are going against a ton of really good and potent offenses. You can't be having them start at their own 40-yard line, especially if you, after your score, if you get a touchdown, huge momentum shift right away. That's another area where you look at this loss, impacts them too even more in a bad way. Oh, there's no question. You're going to give up points as a result of it. I mean, I don't know what the percentages are, but obviously you're starting field position. They go up, you know. Is it going to be a field goal drive? Is it going to be a touchdown drive? All that. There's numbers throughout the league based on where you get the ball. And if you're going to have a kick coverage team that struggles the way they have now, and granted, 
you have to take that with a grain of salt. There were a lot of guys who will be on kick coverage teams when the regular season comes who haven't been out there yet. But, you know, as we talk about things to watch on Saturday, that's a big one because it is going to be closer, at least in the first half, it is going to be closer to what you're going to see during the regular season. And you can't keep doing this. You can't keep giving up, you know, field position. It's going to, it's the kind of thing, go back to the Rams game last year where you you end up, you've got the ball at, at, at the end and you're down by a field goal and you're trying to drive. You know, are you that close if the special teams aren't playing as well as they were that day? I think they had a touchdown during that game, either a touchdown or, or a set up one. Um, you know, you you can't, and that's Super Bowl champs. You've got the ball with a chance to beat them at home in the fourth quarter. What more can you want? But how big a role did special teams play in that game? And if if it plays out again the same way this year, you know, do the Colts have that opportunity? I don't know. That's I think it's, it's really something to keep an eye on Saturday. Right, and going back to that Patriots game too, I mean, the the, the play we all look at, right, the Jonathan Taylor huge run to ice the game and put it away, but you know that, that offense got going in large part for a blocked punt that was, you know, I believe scored for a touchdown. Like, outside of the offense did not really do a lot, and Carson Wentz, we saw Frank Wright did not want him throwing the ball whatsoever. So again, it's another example, like you said, of special teams coming up huge and helping this team win games uh, last year. They're going to have to be even more important this year for uh, for sure and, and just as good, you hope, even though some of the losses they've suffered uh, are definitely going to be magnified. And, and what we've seen so far has not exactly been pretty or encouraging. They can be one of the best units heading into the 2022 season. All right. As always, make sure you like and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and on the Odyssey app as well. When we return, August 24th, 2019, a date no Colts fan will ever forget. George Bremer was there. He'll give us his reaction. I have a very weird story as well or as where I was when Andrew Luck decided to hang it up. We'll get into that when the Blue Horseshoe Podcast returns. This joyful episode of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast does continue here. We talked about some of the special teams concerns and some legitimate concerns heading into week number one now coming off of the Rigoberto Sanchez injury. So let's go from bad to worse, George. Let's go back to a date no Colts fan will ever forget and no Colts fan will ever feel good about talking about, and that is August 24th, 2019, Andrew Luck hangs it up. One of the most bizarre, surreal days of my life. But this is me talking, you know, halfway across the country, sitting here in New York City when I found out the news. You were feet away in the press box in Lucas Oil Stadium when all this was going down. So just from the chaos when the first tweet from Adam Schefter was sent to really uh, two or three days later when the news actually sunk in, what was that feel like in the stadium? What the hell was going on in the press box? chaos i mean it was absolute chaos everyone was kind of running down you know there's one area in in i think every press box where the team uh, pr people are and everybody was running down there you know hey what's going on is there any truth to this because it was so strange you're looking at andrew luck on the sideline you know as that's going on he's standing down there with the team he had a t-shirt on he's watching the game i think chad kelly was tearing it up against the bears in the third quarter it's a boring preseason game you're just kind of waiting for it to end and that tweet comes across and all of a sudden it becomes uh, the Super Bowl up there I mean it, it was insane you're rushing around everywhere and then at some point I can't even remember when it was I think it was into the fourth quarter they announced that there was going to be a press conference with Andrew after the game and at that point if you had any doubt left you knew what was coming and I'll never forget being down there because it was like a funeral I mean he, he led off, and everyone remembers the tears. 
his uh, his wife was over there. I think it was still his fiance at that time. They might have been married. I'm not sure. Uh, but it, she was down there. But otherwise, his family was going to fly in because the plan had been to do it the next day. They hadn't arrived yet. Uh, so he's kind of off the cuff a little bit. And you could tell he was very emotional. And then they followed that up with Jim Ursay and Chris Ballard and Frank Reich. And I just remember all three of them, you know, their faces felt like every fan at that point. And I remember thinking myself, you know, walking back up to the press box after those those interviews, I, the franchise probably been set back 10 years. I mean, that's what I was thinking that night. Like, how do you replace this guy? It's funny because when the punter situation happened this week, you know, a lot of people were, were frantic and, you know, what are the Colts going to do? And we talked a lot in the first segment about how important that loss was. But my first thought on the 24th was, hey, three years ago was a lot worse. Then you replace this punter. Uh, and you'll find a way they had to replace the starting quarterback and not just the starting quarterback, the face of the franchise, the number one overall pick, uh, the guy who was supposed to lead him to the fr- promised land. He had just come back, uh, had a great season, gone to the Pro Bowl. I, I remember Jim Irsay saying he played in the Pro Bowl like 17 times in, in that, like he couldn't believe it. You know, he was trying to, if he said it often enough, it, it would make the news different. Uh, you still feel that you still feel it. I mean, this quarterback carousel is a direct result of it. We know Matt Ryan's here to pause it for a while, but he's not a long-term answer. He's not the guy that's going to, you know, lock down that position for the next decade. It still to this day, there's ramifications from that. Uh, I think it's one of the biggest what ifs in, in probably professional sports history. You look at this roster, the last few years, what they were, you know, with a different quarterback every year, and you could only imagine if this offense had been growing with Frank Reich and Andrew Luck under center, you know, where would this Colts team be? It's that what if thought is is in every Colts fan's head, including mine, uh, every single day, you know, especially when what they did in 2018, they think the future's bright, and this is a legitimate Super Bowl contender going to 2019. That news. I'm just curious behind the scenes, right? Because you know, Obviously, you know, whether it's Twitter, whether it's, you know, your your columns and articles you write, we see like, you know, the aftermath in the moment when you first get the news, like, is it just scrambling to find anyone that will confirm it? Is it just, you know, obviously the game is clearly just at this point irrelevant. Like what was you mentioned the franticness in the press box? Like, What is the process once you find out? Like, how do you go about either confirming it or trying to, you know, find a different angle? Like, what was that like? Yeah, no, you're checking, trying to check every source you can to find out, you know, is anyone going to confirm this? And then once you kind of realize, okay, it's set, you start trying to think about, well, what what's out there? That was the first thought was, is there a short list? You know, who are they looking to? Um, obviously, that quickly became Jacoby Brissett within the next couple of days. It was pretty obvious. I think they even said that night. I want to say Frank Reich said that night, Jacoby's going to be the starter. He's our guy now. Uh, and so there was a lot of like deep dives on Jacoby for the next few days and, and just trying to figure out, uh, you know, how does the offense change? What does it mean? I mean, I, I wonder how many guys' lives changed as a result of that. The one that comes to mind is Eric Ebron. You know, we know the way his career ended here in Indy, but he had 13 touchdowns the year before with Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. He's going into a free agent year. He ends up playing a season with Jacoby, who was his best friend on the team. So I don't think there was like an issue there. I mean, uh, Ebron's kid and, and Jacoby were together every day after training camp. You'd see them on the field. Like they were that close, uh, you know, as, as two guys, but the season obviously didn't play out the same way it would have with Andrew. He ends up leaving, uh, it, you know, the ankle injuries, it's whole other saga from that year. 
uh, but he leaves on bad terms. And you just wonder if Andrew Luck plays the 2019 season, is Eric Ebron still in Indianapolis? Goal? I don't know. It's, it's another, there's so many branches to this. So many things that, uh, you know, what else is affected by it? It's really, even now, it's surreal. It was surreal that night, but even three years later, it still feels like something that happened in the 1970s. It, it's unbelievable. It, it is hard to really believe and wrap your head on, like you said, like it happened only three years ago. Like it's like, wow, that, that, that feel, it does feel like at least a decade ago when all this went down just because there was so much chaos. I'll never forget. I was at home eating pizza, watching. I was so fired up. Week zero was the college football season kicked off. It was Miami and Florida. So a big game. I'm a huge college football fan. I was fired up. Like I said, you're seeing, you know, still watching the Colts game. You, you see Angel Luck on the sideline. So never forget, like I was on Twitter. I see a tweet, Angel Luck is retiring. I'm like, oh, classic Twitter. That's just a troll, like, good one. Okay, I closed out of it. Never forget, like, two minutes later, going to the kitchen. My sister's there. I was like, do you see, like, the news? Angel Luck retired. I will never forget. I stopped. I pointed. I laughed in her face. I'm like, idiots. They all got fooled like a fake Adam Sheft in, not Adam Schefter account that Andrew's retiring. He's on the sideline. He's there. He's he's fine. I will never forget it for like a minute. I swear the world stood still. All of a sudden, my phone went from like nothing to I thought it was gonna like explode with tweets, with messages, all my friends know. I'm a huge Colts fan. Some were supportive. A lot of, as you can imagine, were, were taking joy in the pain that was coming on. And I think the rest of the night, I think I repeated phrases from, I can't believe it, to like, did this really happen? I don't think I said anything else. Even watching the press conference, which again was just almost like as close to watching a, your own funeral, if that makes any sense, like as you could. Because you're to your point, you know right then and there. Even though Chris Ballard has built this roster up, and again, the Colts were Super Bowl contenders going into that year, they were Super Bowl contenders in a large part because of the quarterback. And now it's like you see the future ripped out from under you, not because of injury, not because of something we saw or old age, just when it came down to it, a calf injury that we've heard about, but never truly, you know, was said to be anything serious. And it's like you're just seeing him walk off the field. Uh, I'm sure you heard the booze. I thought that was just disgusting. Uh, I know you're in the moment, but that is just still inexcusable. Even with you know, what the emotions felt, you have no excuse to boo Andrew Luck. That was still, I mean, by far clear the, the most shocked and surreal day I've ever experienced in my life. It was chaos. It was I, a couple of weird things from that day too. So I almost wasn't at the game. Um, <laughs> we were on our way down. At that time, my wife was was shooting the photos for us. She still worked at the paper back then. Okay. Uh, and she was our photographer on game days. And we never had any trouble getting into town. Like it was most of the time it was just fine. For whatever reason, I think it was a, some kind of accident, something. We were on the north side of Indy and it was incredibly backed up. And I'm like, we're going to be cutting it close now. Like this, I, is it even worth it? It's a preseason game. Do you even need to be there? Like what's going to happen? What are you going to miss? And so that, like, I always think, what if I turned around? What if I had taken the exit there and, and, and turned Holy around? Uh, talk about, like, the biggest mistake of, of your career. And eventually I was like, well, you never know what's going to happen. Let's just fight through it. But then during the game, you know, my wife's on the sidelines. She's not that far away from Andrew while this is going on. But some, I think, actually, I think Rigoberto Sanchez was one of them. Some of the specialists were coming over to her and asking, is this real? Do you know? Because the fans are yelling at them from the 
you know, fans that are down there in the, in the first couple of rows are yelling at the players, hey, Andrew's retiring, you know, what's going on? And they're coming over to whoever they can find with a media badge on the sideline and saying, is this true? You know, is this real? It Stuff like that to me is just it's something that if it happened in, in like draft day or something, you would just laugh at it. Like this, this is not reality. There's this would never happen in real life. It happened. Uh, and and I know everybody has that kind of crazy story where you were or, you know, what's going on. Uh, but, you know, I still to this day, it boggles my mind. There were players asking her on the sideline, the photographer, you know, hey, is this true when Andrew's just a few feet from them? But that's everyone was just in in, in such shock. Uh, you're just looking for someone to tell you no. I think that's what, you know, they didn't <laughs> want to ask Andrew because the answer might be yes. I could not imagine. Like we were talking about both of our shots, right? and that's as as media and fans sitting, you know, still from a pretty far distance. I could not imagine being a player in the side, like you said, Andrew. Look, you you can literally go over there and touch him on the sideline, and everyone is saying he's retiring, and he's just the ironic part and funny part. He was still standing there, like everything was all good, smiling, laughing at times. It really wasn't until unfortunately the, the end of the game he's walking off when you heard the you know cascade of boos when it kind of truly saw his mood change, but it was unreal. And even before the game, I believe reports, didn't he have like an insanely tough and hard workout before the game started as a preseason to kind of get some work in. And, and so it, you wouldn't never, you would never have thought, never have thought, I should say, this was a guy that was about to hang it up in, in three hours. Yeah. It was the week before, but it was the same. Okay. They played, they played the Browns the week before, but it was that the was same it. idea. And he was out there, and and I remember everybody thinking, well, there's no concern. Look at him move out there. He looks fine. It was a big story. And I remember somebody talking to him about it, uh, I think, during that press conference. You know, hey, wait a minute. Weren't you just out there last week? And he said, yeah, but I even knew then. You know, in my mind, I knew then that I was probably hanging it up, and that was, in his mind, kind of the last hurrah. Like, I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to run this drill, and it's going to be, like, my last moment as a Colt. So, uh, it's one of the reasons why, you know, there were people the other day on, on Twitter asking me, hey, is it a good sign that Quiddy Pays just on the sideline? When he went down, uh, ended up not being a serious injury, but at the time nobody knew he was grabbing his knee, and you're obviously very fearful of of what could be coming. And, and people were asking me, you know, hey, is, is this a good sign? Is it okay? And I said, if I learned anything over the years, what we see means nothing. You know, I and that's exhibit A to me. Andrew Luck's running around. It looks for all the world like he's ready to go. Like, yeah, he's going to miss the preseason, but he's going to start week one. There's nothing to worry about. And, you know, seven days later, I'm not even sure it was seven. It might have been less. Uh, he's he's hanging it up. He's calling it a career. You never know. You know, and I, to me, the two things that remind me every day, you know, to take nothing for granted in this in, on this job and to, to look into every story and to make sure that you've covered all your bases, the Andrew Luck retirement, and the day the Colts released Pey Peyton Manning. I mean, there are two things that you never thought you'd see. I don't have it anymore, but I used to have that press release still on my desk just to remind me, don't, you know, never assume anything. Right. And to, you know, why not throw, you know, punters in there. They've been a the theme of the show. Even Pat, I would never forget Pat McAfee's retirement, mm -hmm. going from hanging up to right to a media career in, in the midst and the prime of his career. That's another one where you think punters, they're physically, they're fine. They can punt for, you know, forever into their 40s. That's another one where it's it's not good to lead the league in some categories and the Colts leading the league in shocking retirements and releases. 
not exactly where you want to be, George. That's for sure. You got to give McAfee credit, though. I mean, he made the right call. I think he's got like $35 million now. So, uh, you know, at the time, I was like, he's kind of crazy. He's leaving to, to do Barstool Sports. I mean, that's the other part of that. Not just that he's retiring. He's retiring to go to Barstool Sports and like, what's going on? But, you know, now he's kind of a media mogul and a pro wrestling personality. Uh, he made the right call. I got to give him that. <laughs> That he did, that he did. All right, so we are almost done with training camp. Well, training camp has officially ended. We still have one more preseason game to go. Colts, Bucks, Lucas Oil Stadium, Saturday night. A little primetime Saturday night action. The starters are going to play for, we'll say, about a half. So we got a lot of things myself and George are watching. We'll get into that when the Blue Horseshoe Podcast does return. Ryan Hickey, George Bremer, back with you here on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. The third and final preseason game is almost here. One day away, Colts, Buccaneers taking the action to close out the preseason. I don't know about you, George. I will say, I am excited and looking forward to this game. The starters are going to play for a half. It's the final dress rehearsal. We've we've had a lot of questions and, and some concerns about this team. I'm excited to at least kind of see in this final preseason game get some sort of answers and or clarity on a few positions. I know it's, again... Preseason, but this is still kind of the final chance we'll see in game action with the Buccaneers playing some starters to kind of see where this Colts team does match up. Yeah, and I think this is the one you can take a little bit more from because you're going to have the starters out there for a little while. It's still no game planning. It's still, you know, really vanilla schemes. They're not going to try to trick the Bucs. They're not going to try to scheme guys open. It's still basic, you know, football 101 type of, of play out there. But you're going to have the starters. You're going to have a decent run with the starters and you know, it's hard to take much from Buffalo because it was what two series, three series. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a quick most run. Short field too. Yeah. Most, you know, and so what are you going to do in those kind of situations? But, you know, theoretically they're going to see some different looks. They're going to start in different parts of the field. It's going to feel more like a, a real game for lack of a better word. Uh, and even the third quarter, you know, when the, when the second team comes in, uh, it'll, there'll still be something there. A lot of those guys are going to end up playing at some point during the year. We know that over history. So, uh, you know, I think most of this game is going to be pretty watchable, which you can't always say about the preseason. So uh, I think that that in and of, of itself is, is pretty exciting. And I know people have their own thoughts on preseason. Like some teams will play everyone. Some teams will play no one. There's kind of, you know, it's very divisive to play, not play. Personally, where the Colts are with a bunch of new faces, with a lot of inexperienced and unproven players, I actually like the Colts playing their starters and playing them a good amount. Like if they play a, a full half or close to it, that's a lot for the last preseason game. You don't really see that. And if you see a few stars, maybe a, a, um, a drive or two, I like Frank Reich. I know it's a risk. I like him playing a lot of the guys, though, because I think for this Colts team, one of the ways to kind of differentiate and change up some of the slow starts they've gotten off to the last few years is by maybe playing them more in the preseason, kind of kicking it in high gear and almost having their, you know, their focus locked in early on instead of, oh, week one is here. Now it's kind of flipped the switch. You're already sort of doing so now by playing your starters for half a game. I like it. Are, are, do you, you more concerned or are you kind of with me here? This could be more beneficial, even with an injury risk than, uh, than hurtful. No, I, I'm really on the same page as you. I think I feel differently if you're on the other side of the ball. If I'm Tampa Bay, I don't know Tom Brady needs to play. I'm not sure that I'm too worried about that. And I may only play him a series or two if I played him at all. Uh, but Matt Ryan has not played a game with, with this team. You know, he's played a quarter basically in Buffalo. All these receivers are new. All the linemen are new. All the running backs are new. He's still, I mean, his first handoff to Jonathan Taylor will be September 11th in Houston. 
And I'm fine with that because don't put any yeah. more miles on Jonathan Taylor yeah. than you need 100%. to. But getting him out there and getting him the reps with, you know, these teammates, I, I think there's value in that. Now, I think you got to be careful. I don't think they need to be taking seven step drops. I don't think they need to, to hold the ball at all, you know, get it out quick, um, run really vanilla stuff and, and keep him upright. And I think you saw that in Buffalo. The one time the defense really got anywhere near him, he just went to the ground uh, because he knew like, don't take a hit. That's unnecessary. You know, those kind of things, obviously you can build in some things to protect him out there, but I think it's important to get on the field. It's important for this team to hear him call a play in the huddle and hear his cadence at the line of scrimmage. Simple things like that. You haven't done it before. So they're necessary. I could not agree more. Like I said, you, you want to figure that out now, not in week one in Houston and expose yourself to possibly getting got like they've had, you know, for a, a ton of seasons now. Two things I'm looking at, George. And like I said, I, I love that Jonathan Taylor and both nine Himes are not playing. They're going to get a ton of burn in the regular season. There's zero reason now to expose them. The running back position is really kind of the one where I would not play any meaningful running backs in the preseason. But one thing I'm looking for is kind of this run, uh, this offense line getting a push up front. Even though you don't have your two best running backs there, you could still be able to see, is this line moving people? Even without Ryan Kelly being there at center, you will still have four of your five starters there. One of the areas we did talk about, I think for me, the area more important than even pass defense, keeping uh, pass blocking, keeping Matt Ryan upright, is kind of establishing the run. I thought last year, we saw the Colts a lot trying to establish the run for the pass. This year, I kind of think it would be the opposite, but also you still need to be able to push guys around. I, we'll be able to see that on Saturday. Can this Colts offensive line get a push? They really struggled a big time in the quarter they played in Buffalo. Yeah, they've really start, struggled throughout training camp. I, there's been times where you've seen it it pop, and, and you can't. It's hard to tell in training camp. We right. talked about that before. Uh, but you can see the push, and it, it's not been there as, as much as you would want it to be. I know the mentality of this line. They want to go out there. They want to be bullies. Guys like Ryan Kelly and, and Quentin Nelson want to get that push. I'm sure that they're taking it personally. Kelly won't play, but Danny Penner's going to have the same mindset at center uh, and he did a really good job there last year. So I expect him not to have a big drop-off. Uh, they didn't during the regular season. It would be weird if they did, you know, during a preseason game. I think they need to get some room. That doesn't mean that Philip Lindsay needs to run for 100 yards, but you'd like to see him consistently not getting hit until he gets to second level. Even if it's a two-yard run, a linebacker's making the stop, not a defensive lineman. You know what I mean? Um, that's what you want to see. And we'll see how that goes. I'd like to see the offense just get in a rhythm. You know, I'd like to see him have kind of a fluid drive. Uh, you mentioned a lot of short fields against Buffalo the way it turned out. It would be nice to see them just take the ball at their own 25 and drive down the field. Even if it's a field goal drive, just get some things going and, and have a nice solid you know flow out there. Uh, and part of that, I think, involves the offensive line getting that push up front. Right, and string first downs together, right? Get get two, three, four first downs, like I said, establish a drive. And on, on with that note, I think two guys I'm watching specifically, right, because we know – these skilled positions, especially tight ends and receivers, are a big question mark outside of Michael Pittman Jr. Two guys I'm really interested in seeing, and I think you know could and should make an impact on, especially on Saturday, and hopefully that will propel them going forward. Jelani Woods and Paris Campbell. Look for Paris Campbell. It's put up our shut up time. We know he has the talent. It's just can he stay on the field? But this is a guy that brings such a, a dynamic weapon to the offense with his speed and opening up the deep end of the field when you have guys like Michael Pittman Jr. who you know are just beasts that jump balls and go and get it. And you have Alec Pierce who can thrive in the middle of the field. If you can have defenses in the regular season 
focusing on Paris Campbell, having whether it's an underneath route, having linebackers kind of flow to him, or again, taking the top off the defense like we've seen in spurts, you know, when he's been healthy and on the field, that's a guy that I really want to see on Saturday kind of make a statement and kind of show you this is year four, but I am here. I'm here for this offense. We didn't see really much at all in either the two preseason games. I really want to kind of see him go out on Saturday and make a statement and have his presence, even if it's, again, not in receptions, but it's just in attention that he brings. I think that's going to be huge for this Colts, you know, receiving core, uh, kind of opening things up for them and taking some pressure off of other guys. We know Alec Pierce is, you know, a rookie, and he is going to get, you know, his attention, and we focus on him a lot. He's going to get his targets, right? Paris Campbell to me is a big X factor. I'm really excited to kind of see what he can do and produce on Saturday. Yeah, I think it's a big day for for Paris Campbell. He had a good practice Wednesday, uh, which was good to see because really he'd been quiet since that hamstring incident and not really sure if it was still limiting him or if maybe they asked him to dial things back a little bit. I'm not sure what the situation was there, uh, but he just hadn't been as consistent since that happened. So it was good to see him kind of step up Wednesday and have a good day. But I think it would be really big for him to come out Saturday and and just even have a couple catches, but make a couple big plays on them. Uh, I think that would be a big step for him. Jelani Woods is, is a great point as well. The Drew Ogletree injury was important. You know, we talked about it at the time. Uh, Frank Reich said he came out. He rarely does this. And he came out and said he was going to have a significant role in this offense. And now Jelani Woods has to step up and, and maybe, you know, get there a little bit faster than than he was on target to do. I will say Jelani had a good week in in, in camp. You know, he looked good. Uh, the practices that they had, it was a short week, obviously, uh, as it usually is when you break camp. But when he was out there, he made some plays. He did both with Nick Foles and Matt Ryan. Uh, I would expect him to play a little bit more with Foles uh, on Saturday. But I think if, if the starters go a half or close to a half, he's going to be out there with the first team at some point. And I think it's important to see him get – just get involved again. He doesn't have to have a, a Desmond Patman day, uh, but just get involved and, and make a couple catches, be a guy who moves the chains. Uh, that's, that's really what you want to see from this offense in general. Like you said, string together some first downs. Uh, and I think Campbell and, and woods are a big part of that. I think Alec Pierce, you know, he's had a couple of moments, uh, but it would good, be good to see if he can put three straight games together where he does something you remember, you know, for a rookie, that's not a bad thing to do. And this game, I do feel like has extra importance too, because I'll be honest, George, one of the things I'm a little frustrated with when it comes to this Colts team in the last few years, I feel like they are they look really good. And there's always a lot of good reports coming out of training camp when it's joint practices or when it's coming on 11 on 11, uh, Colts offense versus Colts defense. I feel like the last few years, we have been optimistic and rightfully so, because you've seen production from some of these questionable guys in training camp. We've not seen that translate into the regular season for a few Again, I know it's preseason, but this is kind of a game where I feel like, you know what, this is not only a great way to get the season, you know, kind of off on the right foot, but it's now this is kind of truly the, the line in the sand where it's time to go from highlight real catches and impressive days in training camp to now when you are facing someone else in a game, whether it counts or not, to actually match that production you've put up. That, for me, I think that's been a theme. I'm not sure. I mean, you know, you've obviously been there and witnessed it the last few years as well. That to me is one of the things that's bugged me as a Colts fan the last few years is the hype. And again, not that I'm saying it's over. I think it's rightfully so because they're making plays in training camp. It's just not translating to week number one. That's I'm excited and I hope we'll see that kind of finally translate to success on the field starting on Saturday. I thought that was the big thing with Strawn last week. You know, we thought, mm -hmm. hey, he came back fast and, and he had a decent week of practice. And then he went out and he did it in the game and you feel better about it. 
you know, he's another guy that won't play probably till the second half, but you want to see him do it again. I mean, that's, that's one of the things I hear Franklin said early on. Sterling Weatherford had a good game in Buffalo on the undrafted linebackers, and people said, you know, what do you want to see from him? And he said, you got to do it again. People forget what you did last week. You got to go do it again. And that's why I think Pierce, it's huge. You know, he hasn't had a huge game yet, but he had a first down catch in that basically one drive with Foles uh, last week. And I think he had a big catch uh, during the Buffalo game at some point. So, you know, just do it all three weeks. Something as simple as that can mean something in the preseason just because of what you're talking about. Are you taking it to the game field, but are you doing that consistently? And that's why I want to see it from Paris Campbell. He's had an incredibly quiet uh, preseason so far. I don't think he has a catch yet in a preseason game. He might only have one or two targets, you know. So if he goes out there and he has three or four catches on Saturday, at least it'll calm your nerves a little bit and make you feel a little bit better about where that's headed. 100%. On the other side of the ball, George, defensively, it appears, at least right now, um, I know the Buccaneers had their own injury issues all, all camping, especially on the offensive line, where they, they might barely have five guys to suit up on, on Saturday. But it appears the five guys that are going to go into the season with the regular season with are going to play a large part uh, in the game on Saturday. This, to me, is a great opportunity for this Colts defensive line. Quiddy Pay is not going to play after the injury he suffered. Thankfully, it's only a bone bruise, and he should be good to go for week one. So disaster averted. He's not going to play, but Tyquan Lewis, we saw make his return uh, last week against the Lions. This is now a huge opportunity for a pass rush, especially a front four that we saw struggle mightily, especially down the stretch with the Colts last year. This is a great opportunity against what is going to be a starting caliber offensive line. Injuries, you know, be damned. Great chance here to get after the, whoever the quarterback is going to be for Tampa and try to kind of somehow start to get some momentum pass rush wise for week number one. Yeah, and the two guys that I'm going to look at most are Dio Odangbo and Ben Banigou because you're talking about young guys. I mean, we talked about Paris Campbell earlier. For Ben Banigou, this is it, now yeah, or never. Oh yeah. And, you know, Quiddy Pay's banged up. We don't know what the situation is. It certainly sounds like he's going to be okay. Uh, but with this franchise, you know not to take anything for granted. So uh, <laughs> it'd still be nice to see some guys behind him step up. Uh, and I think with Ben Banigou, you know, the time is absolutely now. Go out there, make some plays. You're going to get some more snaps as a result of this. Dio Dangbo is a really interesting guy. You know, he technically had a rookie year last year, but coming back from that Achilles, I don't think he was ever himself. Uh, you're starting to see flashes. He had a pretty good game, I thought, against the Lions. Uh, now he's going to play a little bit earlier, you would assume, than he was going to. I don't know when it will happen, but whenever he gets out there, it's going to be sooner than it would have been if Quiddy Pay was healthy. Uh the guys like that, I want to see step forward because here's an opportunity. Here's a chance on a silver platter. Go out there in front of what should be a crazy atmosphere. Uh, it's going to be a, a night game. The fans should be rocking. Go out there and do something. You know, I, the opportunity's there. Let's see how they respond. What would you define for a preseason game, a crazy atmosphere? I just <laughs> any noise, honestly. <laughs> you know, and I think that could be the fact that they'll the fans are still there in the second quarter is a crazy atmosphere in the preseason. You know, I think it's going to get loud in there. I think a little bit just because uh, whether he plays or not, Tom Brady's in the building. That's always going to bring energy in that city. Uh, and the fact that they know the starters are playing, I think the fans are going to come with more, more passion than you did maybe when you knew no one was playing against Detroit. Maybe are we going to get the air horn on third down. <laughs> I think it was out there last week because I don't know about the air horn, but I know the, the hell's bells was because they played it once when it was actually first down They're in preseason form too. So <laughs> you know, you got to get used to that.
everyone knocking off the rust. That is for sure. Uh, final thing we got to watch here, George, and we started the podcast with it. So let's end the podcast with it. Special teams. You mentioned it uh, before we came on here. I think it's a great point. This is uh, Matt Hawk is going to have more attention on him than maybe ever before, even in a regular season game, having a chance here to kind of see what he can do. This Colts kickoff coverage team is going to have more eyes on them than ever before. This is a huge, huge game for Bubba Ventrone here to kind of get some loose ends tied up. And to your point, see who is legit, who is going to actually be making this team and contributing and who just, you know, got to cut the fat. Sorry, you're not around, not going to help us out here this year. I think the best thing for the special teams unit would be if they're not a story on Sunday. If you yes. forget what they did, it would be a great day for them. If they make no, if they make news from Saturday, it probably means that they've struggled again. Uh, you're definitely going to have your eyes on Hawk. And I, I tell you, even with Hot Rod, you know he's obviously won the job again. Jake Verity cut uh, to to make room on the roster for for Hawk to come in. But Hawk's the holder now. You know, there's a new holder. That's another part of losing Sanchez. Those field goals, you're going to keep an eye on. It's important for them to get those reps together. You haven't had that operation with Luke Rhodes and Matt Hawk and, and Rodrigo Blankenship before until this game. So, you know, you're not going to get many chances to do it. You can do it out on the practice field, obviously, but it's not going to be the same as, as a live game with, a, you know, a different color jersey on the other side. I think that's important, too. I think special teams will be huge. Not hyperbole to say, George. This is going to be the one of the most important preseason games the Colts have played in a long time. I'm 28, so I can make the argument in my lifetime. This is going to be one of the most, at least first halves, most important halves to the Colts in a while. That's for sure. Very excited to get some, you know, some starters out on the field and have some as close to high stakes as you could possibly have in the preseason. That is what we will get for the preseason finale on Saturday. Colts, Bucks, Lucas Oil Stadium. George is already predicting a raucous crowd. So if you're going to the game, Make sure to be loud, be proud, stand up in third down, and make life hell for the Bucks. That's going to be one fun uh, night for sure. So as always, remember, like, subscribe, download the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. We're all over the podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Odyssey app as well. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. So make sure you're between the next show and now. You're following George Bremer on Twitter at GMBremer. Follow me at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. We'll be giving a lot of takes, a lot of thoughts uh, on Saturday night's game for sure. And we will be back on Wednesday. Cut day is Tuesday. So not only will we react to what is going to be the most important preseason game for the Colts in a long time, but also, too, we will finally have an idea for the most part, George, who is making the team, who will be you know cut and moving on. We'll have the final roster for the most part set for your 2022 Colts team. So make sure to be locked in between now and then to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast, where, as always, we give you the only podcast with both national and local Colts coverage. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you Wednesday right here on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast.